So TLH 142. This Lamb is Christ, the soul's great friend. The Lamb of God, our Savior. This Lamb is Christ, the soul's great friend. The Lamb of God, our Savior. And so we uh, see Abraham is going to offer up Isaac, and finally uh, uh, God stops him and says, uh, I can see as you uh, were willing to offer up your son, and then in its place is a ram, a lamb uh, placed. And so there is a substitute uh, for our sins. Uh, here we see the lamb who is uh, Jesus Christ himself, calls him the great friend, um, even as in, uh, what's the reading I think today, the, the Jesus says that I, I must go, um, I want to go, uh, I want to do the Father's will. I could, I could say this not, but no, I need to say I wish. Um, and so just as the uh, Father chooses to send him, says, go forth my son, uh, the son says, uh, yes, his, his will is the same as his heavenly Father. And so as the soul's great friend, he is the one who lays down his life for us. Him God the Father chose to send, Him God the Father chose to, send. to gain for us his favor. And so when we talk about God's grace, uh, God favors us. He uh, chooses us and showers upon us gifts that we don't deserve. And so he chooses to send his son to gain for us favor, the, uh, the blessing. Go forth, my son, the father said. And free men from the fear of death. And so we need to be set free. We'll see a man in today's reading who uh, has been bound by Satan. And uh, not only is he mute, as the text itself says, but he's also uh, uh, deaf and uh, is, is, is not able um, in these things. And so he needs to be freed by someone on the outside. And that is none other than Jesus who has come. He frees us from the fear of death. Death is the punishment we deserve because of our sin. And now, because we have the forgiveness of sins, there is not uh, no need to have a fear of death. For death is not a punishment. It will now serve as a doorway to heaven, the way by which we enter into the kingdom of God, that is, of heaven uh, itself. From guilt and condemnation. So not only from fear of death, uh, but from guilt and condemnation. The wrath and stripes are hard to bear. But by thy passion men shall share. The fruit of thy salvation. Luther wrote a, a short book about well, how do we deal with the suffering, the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, we don't come at it uh, shaking our, our finger at the Jews and saying, look at what they did. Uh, we don't come at it going, oh, look at Jesus, I feel so sad for him. Uh, but instead, as we see here, yes, uh, the shame and stripes uh, and or the, the wrath and stripes are hard to bear. But by thy passion, men shall share. We are given something. And so it is something that elicits in us, as we see his love for us in this suffering and death, or in a crucifix, if you will, so then it would elicit in us a love towards him that we uh, are being given something. We share. What do we share in? The fruit of his salvation. What does he receive? Well, in three days, he receives a resurrection from the dead. We will receive that too. He is welcomed back into heaven. We will receive that too. The Father uh, does not turn away 
uh, from him. On the cross, yes, because that is our sins. But after that, no. Uh, here is the one who is our Savior. And so uh, we will be the children of God. We get the fruits of that salvation. Or tonight's um, catechism reading, uh, where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. Verse, or stanza two. Islam is Christ, the soul's great friend, the Lamb of God, our Savior. Him God the Father chose to send to gain for us His favor. Go forth, my son, the Father said, and free men from the fear of death, from guilt and condemnation. The wrath and stripes are hard to bear. But by thy passion man shall share. Will fruit of thy salvation. All right, we're still on the sacrament of the altar. Last week we took a look at the second part which was the, or two weeks ago, the second part, which was the words of institution. Uh, now we take a look at question number three, dealing with the benefit, and number four, how does this happen? Question three, what is the benefit of this eating and drinking? Repeat after me. These words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, These words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, show us that in the sacrament, forgiveness of sins, life and salvation, are given us through these words. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. All right, so we have Lord's Supper. Um, there are the words that we are to say, the words of institution. We say, well, what is it? Uh, and we said it is bread and wine. In with and under the bread and wine are the body and blood of Christ. And so we receive that. We receive the, the body and blood of our, of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, that body and blood is not without effect uh, for those who receive this in faith, it says, what's the benefit? What do you what do you get? Well, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. How can now granted bread and wine, ah, that doesn't give forgiveness of sins, but the body and blood of Jesus gives forgiveness of sins. Um, can can it do that? How does body and blood of Jesus. Think that's possible? Why? The word says so. 
The Word says so. Absolutely. It tells us forgiveness of sins. That's what I have to go back to. I got the words. Through these words. Do you see a connection between forgiveness of sins and the body and blood of Jesus? Not only do you have Jesus who suffered and died, and you might say paid the price, and thus he is the Lamb of God who did this, but here we're actually receiving the payment price. We're actually receiving the one who has done this for us. Um, and so, yes, here is, you might say, the, the benefits, the fruits of our salvation, as the, as the hymn said, uh, but also the, the price itself. Um, if there is anything that has power and effect, um, you would say it would be God himself taking on human flesh and thus us receiving not just his help, he himself uh, wishes to be received uh, in, in this meal. And so the sins, forgiveness of sins, that, that his word says, um, just as his blood covers over our sins, uh, washes away, so we have forgiveness of sins. Uh, forgiveness is a taking away of, of that which is sins. Uh, Luther goes on to say, where there is a taking away of forgiveness of sins... What results? Well, sins were supposed to lead me to death. The wages of sin was death. But with forgiveness of sins, ah, there is now life, not death. And so, as I said, instead of death uh, being the punishment by which we will receive hell and and eternal punishment, it now becomes... um, that last enemy, that last gateway by which we are received into heaven. And so forgiveness of sins gives us life, gives us salvation. We are saved. Uh, tonight's reading uh, with uh, the man who is uh, who's given back his, his voice, uh, we see that we are saved from, well, the devil uh, who has come to harm us. Oh, who has come like a roaring lion to take us away. And no, he is going to provide forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. All in this, in this meal, the Lord's Supper, which he has provided for us. Question number four. How can bodily eating and drinking do such great things? Repeat after me. Certainly not just eating and drinking... Do these things, but the words written here. Certainly not just eating and drinking do these things, but the words written here. Given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. These words, along with the bodily eating and drinking, are the main thing in the sacrament. Whoever believes these words has exactly what they say, forgiveness of sins. Whoever believes these words has exactly what they say, forgiveness of sins. Alright, so... Certainly not just eating and drinking. We know eating and drinking provide some things, but they don't provide forgiveness. They don't get it. But here, there is eating and drinking that provides forgiveness. Why? Well, it says certainly not just eating and drinking. What? But the words written here, along with the eating and drinking. So, what do the words say? So, the words tell us something. These words, obviously, are pretty important. This is now the third time in just the section under the sacrament of the altar, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Um, Why are those words so important? Here, Jesus 
They are His promise, absolutely. And faith has to grab onto the promise. It tells us what this is all. What was given and shed? It's body and blood. And so that's the very thing that He says, I am giving out to you, that which was given and shed. It was given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. And so now here, by your receiving it, you receive that forgiveness of sins. Um, Okay. What does it say are the main thing? The words are, are the main thing in the sacrament. Um, You can have bread and wine, you can have whatever. But when you have the words, these are the main things. But then it it doesn't say, oh well, the eating and drinking are, are unimportant as if the pastor will say the words of institution and you'll just sit there and kind of watch and go, yep, I heard, the, I heard the main thing. I'm all done. What do those words say? Take, eat. Right? This is what we are to do with it. So yes, there are the words and you have to have the words. Without the words, it's not a sacrament. But once you have the words, then to follow what? Doing what it says, the eating and the drinking, and doing it in faith, trusting the promise which the Word says, this is for me. So whenever it says, uh, in, in other places, do this in remembrance of me. Sometimes we get all, I don't know if we do, uh, um, maybe theologians argue about this and try to figure out, well, what is this? What is this remembrance? And so then we begin to see and we say, well, a lot of times, if I go into a Protestant church, they will have a large table, it's not an altar, and the table says, do this in remembrance of me. And you kind of say, well, most of the time I don't see that um, in churches that confess the real presence. Huh. So, what does it mean? To the reform that it says, do this in remembrance of me, what do they think that means? It's what? They don't think they're receiving forgiveness. They don't think they're receiving the body and blood either. So you say, well, why are you doing this? Ooh. That's a rough example. I like it. Um... I really like that example. It's like going to a tombstone. What happens? Is something going on there? Not really. And especially not coming from the tomb this way, is it? What's, what is happening? Well, I'm doing something. And what am I doing? I'm having a little... Oh, I'm starting to feel that. Or I'm feeling good about the memories I had. Or I'm having this kind of thing. But it is, it's something else... That, that's happening, and particularly I'm, I'm doing. Um, so, when they have their table with do this in remembrance of me, how often do they do it? Once or twice a year, if, if you're lucky. You're right. Um, do you do it on Sunday morning? Oh, no, no. Do it at night, late Sunday night. You know, this is only for certain... And you don't do it too often because what? You don't want to... One about special. Don't want to feel too bad. Okay. You're right. It's not that important. Yes, we ought to do it now and then, they would say. But it becomes something where you say, okay, this will be something in which I will think about. This will be the reminder, if you will, in which I will think about, well, what Jesus did. And so there is this kind of something else going on with it. Um... Again, to work myself into this making a special feeling like it's something, whatever, you know, if I do this too much, it just becomes something I do, and so then it, that doesn't fulfill the purpose. Interesting enough, I think that Lutherans try to, they look at this and they kind of go, I don't know what this is. Um, then, what is this? Do this in remembrance of me. We need to be careful that we don't 
think that this remembrance thing is some extra something that we bring to the table or it's something where, ooh, I, as I'm sitting in the pew, I better remember to do that remembrance thing. Okay, okay, yeah, got it done. I did it. Not so. What is, then, this remembrance? It has to be faith in what's... Exactly. In other words, it's not separate. It's the actual thing that we're doing right here and now. And so Jesus is saying, don't go through this meal in a row way. Go through it, what? Knowing what the promise is, knowing what I did, knowing that I'm giving it out, and come forward to receive it. That's the remembrance of Jesus. That's the thing that we're doing. If we do this in remembrance, we're doing this with the promise, with faith trusting in the promise. And when faith trusts in the promise, it says, I'm going to go down front and receive forgiveness. Because it was, what are the words? Given and shed for you. How about for me? He said for you, but every one of us ought to say what? It's for me. That is faith. Faith says, when Jesus said for you, he was talking to me. This was one of the reasons. When he was on the cross, he was thinking of me. And he wanted me to receive this. So this is exactly what we are to do. We are to receive this. Um, uh, the main thing in the sacrament is the words. But, because the words tell us to eat and drink, it's along with the eating and drinking. And not just eating and drinking, because Jesus said eat and drink, but eat and drink, trusting in the promise that there's this forgiveness of sins, he's giving us his body uh, and, and blood. How can bodily eating and drinking do these things? Because Jesus said this is the way he's going to give it out. Um, there is the uh, hymn, uh, Were You There When They Crucified My Lord? Um, all right. Fine question, as far as it is. Uh, I, I think every one of us has to say, no, I really wasn't there. Um, truthfully, though, to have been there when it happened is not where the blessings are being given out. That's where it was won for us. But the blessings are being given out in word and sacrament. Of those that were there, um, I mean, if you count up the ones that were there, who, who knew that this was going on? Who actually took it in? I mean, it was all, all you have is the centurion finally at the end um, who acknowledges that it is the Son of God, but no one makes any sense of this. It is only by the Word. And so here is the way in which God is giving out these benefits. Yes, it's not the only way. It's also given out in the Word. It's also given out in baptism where you're united with Jesus. Jesus works through the Word. And it's given out in, in Lord's Supper as well. These are the, uh, the sacraments that, that have been given for us, uh, that we might that we might receive it. Uh, what if we, what if we as a church um, decided that we would do um, we would have an, an, uh, a rite, a ceremony of foot washing, and so we would have our foot washing done. And, and you could come forward and you could receive foot washing. Um, and that way, uh, uh, we as the church uh, could, could give you forgiveness of sins. You know, because your feet are dirty like sin and, and then uh, the pastor's washing your feet because, you know, he's supposed to go out and, and give forgiveness. So then we could do it by this foot washing ceremony. It could be special. Uh, or it could be really a disaster. Or it could be a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> In keeping with this, you'd all wear sandals all day. I know. Yeah. Um, 
But you're right. One, I don't have a word of God telling me to do this. There may be examples of different things going on, but that doesn't mean that we do what someone else did, even if it is Jesus. Um, yes, Jesus did that. Um, and there is no promise that you will get forgiveness by using this or by doing this. Not at all. And so, I, I could do this and I could tell you that it was so, but if you have no promise, your faith has nothing to grab onto. Uh, because it's simply, well, pastor, you're making this up. Um, even if you think quite highly of Christ's church, God never said to his church, make things up. Uh, uh, make up your own kind of thing. And so, not so. Um, instead, we trust in those things which he has provided. Something about I'm serving you, and and, and you're going to serve others. I can't remember exactly how that goes, but that sort of got the general gist of the term. I'm going to go with that. (laughs) (laughs) But what happened to Jesus? He was crucified. He served the apostles. He always did that. He served the apostles. And what did he tell them by doing this? They're going to serve the church. Right. Is this a good thing? <laughs> well, ultimately it is, yes. but sometimes it gets really hard. Right. Right. Some, sometimes we have to fall on our swords, just like Jesus did. Right. And I think. Um, as I have loved you, so also you love one another. Um, yeah. Foot washing doesn't quite fulfill loving your neighbor. Um, maybe your neighbor needs his feet washed, and then that would be fine. But um, it's an act of service. Sure it is. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Questions? Catechism? All right, our Bible verse for tonight is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. Repeat after me. If we deliberately keep on sinning, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, if we deliberately keep on sinning, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. No sacrifice for sins is left. No sacrifice for sins. sins Hebrews 10 verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. And so, Hebrews... Oh, do you you have the quote? Or close to it? (laughs) Right, right. Um, this particular passage tonight, um, Hebrews 10.26, speaks about once we have come to a knowledge of the truth, what are we to do with that knowledge? Well, if that knowledge is our sins, we ought to confess it. If that knowledge is about the knowledge of the truth of our Savior, we're to believe in it. Once we have received that knowledge of the truth, if we continue to go on our sinful way, if we continue to reject Christ, uh, there is no sacrifice for sins. That is, uh, the forgiveness of sins that Christ has won for us uh, is, is rejected. And so we don't say, well, that's okay, you're still forgiven. No, um, the knowledge of the truth is to change. The law is to accuse us and to show us our sins. The gospel is to create faith. Uh, that we cling to his word. And so 
uh, this is given, we will see an example this evening of those who uh, have uh, heard the knowledge of the truth and yet uh, deliberately uh, reject it and go their own way. I'll light the candles. We'll begin. Page 224. O Lord, open my lips, make haste, O God, to deliver me, glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, O Christ, Lamb of our salvation. You may be seated. The reading is on the back of the bulletin. It's Luke chapter 11, verse 14 through 28. And he, that is Jesus, and he was casting out a demon, and it was mute. So it was, when the demon had gone out, that the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled. But some of them said, He cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Others, testing him, sought from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Because you say, I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges." But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest. And finding none, he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. And it happened, as he spoke these things, that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the woman that bore you in the breast which nursed you. But he said, More than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. This is God's word. Our hymn, A Lamb Goes Uncomplaining Forth. A lamb goes uncomplaining forth, the guilt of all men bearing. And laden with the sins of earth, none else the burden sharing, goes patiently on, grows weak and faint, to slaughter led without complaint. That spotless life to offer 
son pillows. Thou art my anchor when by woe. My bark is driven to and fro. On trouble surging bellows. And when thy glory I shall see and taste thy kingdom's pleasure, I brought my royal robe shall be my joy beyond all measure when I appear before thy throne thy righteousness shall be my throne I need not hide me, and therein garments richly wrought, as thine own bride I shall be brought to stand in joy beside. Amen. There was a man that was mute. That is, he couldn't speak. He couldn't speak. Not just a case of um, a speech impediment of sorts. Uh, this is a man who has a demon who is preventing him from speaking. Jesus does what is called an exorcism. He drives out a demon and frees the man from the possession. Uh, just as the devil seeks to come and to take and to steal and to murder and the stuff that we does not belong to him. So also then he had uh, seized upon uh, this man and uh, Jesus comes to, to free him. And he does it. Uh, what a wonderful uh, miracle, uh, a sign of, of who he is that he was able to uh, cast out this uh, demon simply uh, by his words. Verse 15, well, the end of verse 14, some of them marveled, which is fine. Um, I would probably marvel as well. The problem is, that's all they did. They marveled. Um, I'm going to say it was the response of a, uh, a crowd to a magician. Wow, good job, never seen anything like that. Uh, how'd he do it? I don't know. Um, and, and that was it. That's not the response that Jesus was expecting, wanting, desiring. Some of them said, he cast out demons by Beelzebub. Ah, uh, they had, uh, uh, it, was a, it was a term for, uh, for Satan, for the prince of demons, for, for that. And they say, okay, we saw him do it. We can't say he didn't. Um, but we can say he did it by black magic. He did it by an evil force. He did it not with God's power, but by the devil's power. That wasn't the answer that he was looking for, desiring either. The third group, others, testing him, sought from him a sign from heaven. Why does that sound kind of... He just gave them one, exactly. And so here, I'll show you that I'm the Messiah, and he does it by that. And they say, okay, 
Do it again. <laughs> Give us a sign. Show, yeah. uh, um, obviously, they're not receiving that which is given. Do you think if he did another one, they would have been happy? No. And so, in fact, what do we have? We have Jesus who is coming and, and, and is out of mercy, out of love. He drives out a demon. He heals the man, gives him back his voice. And we have three different responses. None of them are the response. Well, what did he, what did he expect? Well, what should have been the response? Fall down and worship. Praise God for his mercy. Say, this Jesus must be what? Son of God. The Savior of the world. Uh, look what he has done. He's done what no one else can do. And uh, he's defeated the devil in, in taking back this, um, this man. But instead, none of them. We have marveling. We have denying by, by attributing to Satan. And, and we have those who simply want to uh, uh, deny that and, and so now show us something. And so they, they do not wish, you might say, to have what God is, is offering. Verse 17 says, He knowing their thoughts. Um, Jesus evidently knows uh, that they, uh, that by this, especially the one that he is dealing with kind of first off and primary is, this attributing this to Satan. Ah, you did this by Satan's power. <laughs> hmm. Um, Jesus says, no. Uh, this is not a matter of ignorance. It's not a matter of you not understanding. Like somehow you didn't know the Old Testament and then all of a sudden you're going to come and kind of go, well, you did this miracle, but we don't know what it means. If we'd only known the Old Testament where it said he would do signs and wonders. No, Jesus knowing their thoughts knowing their thoughts, says, this is not right. Uh, you are, in fact, hardened in your unbelief. And, and that is a, exactly what this uh, particular one is about. It is a... And, and it's, it's going to get... This is, this is for the third Sunday in, in Lantakuli. Uh, Laitari is going to have another... Uh, it's going to be a wonderful story about the feeding of the 5,000, but we're going to find that they don't receive him either. And then finally, when we get to Judica, which is uh, the second to the last one, uh, before we get, then we get Palm Sunday and Easter, um, there's going to be, Jesus is finally going to talk to the priests and the scribes, the high priests, and tell them that they're of their own father, the devil. And so we see this increasing rejection, rejection, rejection. This is pretty rough, but it's going to get uh, even rougher in, in two more weeks. All right. Every kingdom divided itself against itself is brought to desolation. If Satan is divided against itself, his kingdom won't stand. Um, this is uh, an utterly ridiculous uh, accusation that you're doing this by the devil's power, as if somehow the devil would give him power to drive out the devil, um, for this was a demon. And he says, absolutely not. Jesus goes on to talk about um, and, and gives an example with a story about a strong man and a stronger man. Dylan, you want to tell me what the strong man, who the strong man is, or the stronger man? Because I'm going to give the other one to your sister. Who's the strong man? Olivia, who's the strong man? You've got two choices. You want me to tell you what the two choices are? It's either Jesus or it's the devil. Who's the strong man and who's the stronger man? The strong man is... Did you say it? The stronger man is God. He's Jesus himself. The strong man is actually the devil, the demon. And so he says, the demon came and had this man. And the only way that he would let go is if somebody stronger comes. Jesus is that one that is stronger. You're right, is God himself uh, who has come. And so Jesus says, this is what is going on. It, it is not the devil fighting with himself. It is Jesus who has come. 
When Jesus speaks about this, he goes on to say to them, you know, you have your own sons of the prophets, you have your own people that uh, you send out uh, uh, to drive out uh, demons, to perform exorcisms. Uh, whether they could do it or not, or whether this was prevalent, I, 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 I don't know. Um, but Jesus says, if your own, and you've got some that are doing this very thing, if you say that when I drive it out, it must be the devil's work, what about your own? What about your own students, your own sons of the bride, your own ones that are sent out? Um, he says, I'll let you be the judges. And so what he's doing is, is he's not only showing them the ridiculousness of their claim, but he's showing their hypocrisy. He's showing them that they would say, that even though they would see something else, they would say, oh, well, that's God's work. Oh, when you do it, it's the devil's work. No, you've obviously got a predisposition toward, against Jesus himself, and so he does this. And finally he says, but if I cast out demons with the finger of God, if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. That's been his claim all along. Uh, John the Baptist said that the kingdom of God has come. It's here, right now. Why? With Jesus coming. Because with Jesus coming is not only the one who is establishing the kingdom built upon his blood, but uh, by the preaching and the teaching and by the giving out, we come into his kingdom. And so the kingdom of God has come to them. Why does Jesus say, if I do it by the finger of God? He is referring to the Old Testament. Moses went down to Egypt, sent by God to do these miracles. Uh, Moses did the throwing down of his staff and it turned into a snake. What did the uh, magicians do? They threw their staffs down, turned them into snakes. Ah, see? Um, he turned the water into blood. What did the magicians do? Yep, they did. Until finally they got to the third plague uh, in which... Uh, Moses creates gnats from the, from the dust of the earth um, and it bites them and whatever. The Pharaoh looks over to the magicians and the magicians say, um, we can't do this. This is the finger of God. It is them acknowledging, listen, there may be some things that we can mask, we can pretend, but that we cannot do. And at this point, the magicians say, no, you need to acknowledge that this is, well, God's doing. What does Pharaoh do? Let him go? Not for a good seven more plagues. Um, and so, the rejection of, um, you know, even those who with natural reason can say, this is God. When Jesus here says, if I have done this, it is the finger of God, he is pointing them to this gross uh, uh, rejection of God, this unbelief, even though you know, everyone would acknowledge, all of a sudden they would not acknowledge that he's the Savior, that he is the one who had did this, that the kingdom of God comes uh, with, with Jesus. There's a whole lot of phrases in this one. There, there is the phrase about um, the unclean spirit when it's driven out. It goes out into arid places. It goes out into the desert. You might say the wilderness. Out in uninhabited, dry places. Seeking a place uh, and finding none. Then it comes back. Uh, what does it want to do? It says, I want someone to inhabit When it comes back, if it returns to the house from which I came, he finds it swept, put in order. He goes, takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. They enter and dwell there, and the last state is worse than the first. Wow. Um, why is it worse? We might say, well, there's seven demons instead of one. Well, okay. Um, yes. But, but more than that, Jesus is speaking about these people. Bingo. They have heard the word and rejected it. The word has come, you might say, to drive out the demon, and yet they have not received it. 
Um, and so you would say they have rejected that. They have tried to then go about it by their own means. Rather than to uh, receive Jesus, they say, no, we'll do it all by ourselves. Um, and so they have no Holy Spirit to dwell within. They have no stronger man living within them. And so uh, the last state, uh, having heard the word of God and rejected it, now you have hardened your heart so that there is, in effect, even less of a chance of turning back to that very word which, which you have rejected. Uh, again, this, these are um, some, some harsh words. As I said, we don't have the actual response that we want. Uh, acknowledgement of the Savior. Uh, we don't have, like, like, uh, the, like the blind man who says, uh, uh, this is the son of David, have mercy on me. Uh, we don't have that. When we get to the end, we have a, a certain woman who raises up her voice and praises. What does she praise? His mother praises <laughs> the first Catholic. Yeah, what about this? It's interesting um, because I would say exactly. Now, a couple things with it. One is um, we call her the Blessed Virgin Mary. Is she blessed? Yes. Why is she blessed? Because. Because, but God blessed her. The blessing is that God gave her a, the most wonderful gift ever. That makes her blessed. Um, because it was showered upon her and she didn't deserve it either. Um, but she carried, uh, Jesus. And she also taught Jesus, brought him up. Um, especially after uh, Joseph passes away. And so, uh, absolutely. Um, Jesus doesn't say, uh, wrong. But he says, but rather. In other words, there is a blessing, but this one is, uh, you're missing the, the, the greatest blessing. I might say, what does every, what did every Jewish woman, woman want? They wanted to be the mother of the Savior, because that's what was promised. Are you the one? Um, and so to say, wow, you know, this is true. Yes, um, but you're missing the point. You cannot be saved by <laughs> praising Mary. Um, not at all. You can't get to Jesus by praising Mary. Mary doesn't go on our behalf. Jesus tells us to call upon me in the day, but go directly to him. Jesus says, no, you're missing the point. And so, yes, that was the wrong answer, uh, um, even, you know, even though Mary is blessed. What is it? Blessed rather, he says, more than that. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. That is the right answer. Uh, and yet we don't see that, that it happens. Uh, this is one where, um, I guess as parents, sometimes we say you learn by negative example. This is that negative example when we get to the end and we go, oh Lord, let me not be like this or this or this, but let me be like the one who hears the word of God and keeps it. For those who trust in our Savior Jesus are blessed, have eternal life. Uh, that is our great comfort. Any questions about tonight? Similar to foot washing, um, there's a section in here dealing with, with exorcism. Um, Jesus did it. Uh, he gave the apostles the ability to do it. Uh, we've not been given it. Uh, there is no command, nor are there words to be spoken concerning this. Uh, if there is to be a defeating of of Satan, it is by means of the word and baptism uh, that God has given to us, in which uh, God comes to us and you would say, frees us from our sins. That is the way that, that it is done. Uh, and so those are the means that we cling to. All right. Prayers this evening. Uh, special requests we need or prayers based upon the reading for tonight. All right, our pink sheet. Uh, we'll use the responsive prayer for catechesis. Please stand.
Holy God, holy and most gracious Father, you shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Deal bountifully with your servants, that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes, that I may see wondrous things from your law. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul makes with longing for your judgment and You rebuke the proud, the cursed, who stray from your commandments. Princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies also are my delight, and my Glory be to the Father and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. We implore you, Almighty God, to look upon the hearty desires of your humble servants, and stretch forth the right hand of your mercy to be our defense against all our enemies. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. 
Heavenly Father, give us a a healthy love of your word, that we would listen to that word, that we would be directed to not only confess our sins, but acknowledge our Savior and to fear and love him. We ask that in all these things that we would not harden our heart towards your word. In Jesus' name we pray. The final petition. Grant peace, we pray, in mercy, Lord. Peace in our time, O send us. For there is none on earth but you, none other to defend us. You only, Lord, can fight for us. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works proceed, give to your servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey your commandments, and also that we, being defended by you, may pass our time in rest and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. The Lord bless us, defend us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life.